What dreams do you have hidden in the dusty corners of your mind? You know the ones. They lift your spirit just thinking about them. And then you convince yourself that this isn't the right time. Or you could never make it a reality. What if you could bring those hopes and dreams forward and actually make them happen? Today, I'm talking with Laura Benedetto about just that. In her book, The Six Habits, Practical Tools for Bringing Your Dreams to Life, Laura walks you through how to do that. I love this conversation, and I think you will too. Give it a listen, and then grab a free download from her book and some great resources to get you started. Wow. Welcome, Laura. I spent a lot of time digging in your book and especially on your website and all those wonderful resources. So welcome to Mindful Social. Thank you. It's a thrill to be here. I always love to hear when people say it's a thrill to be here. Well, it is. Uh, I like you and therefore it is a thrill. Yay. So (laughs) I'd like you to tell me a little bit more about where did this book come from? Sure. Well, this is a fine story. Saddle up, kitties. Lean in. This story is a story of rage. So like many great things in civilization, uh, need presented itself. And so emerged the frustration at that need not being met. Enter Mm -hmm. rage. So I am a very different human being in that I'm very unemployable. I started a company when I was 19, not because I'm so great, although I am. Um, I started it at 19 because I could not hold down a job to save my life. And it's not because I couldn't get them. I interview very well, do all the things, but I don't want to run a company uh, or work for a company that's run by idiots. And that's how I felt at 19. And I didn't want to answer to people that I felt were idiots. So I had 14 jobs in one year, got fired from half and quit the other half. Again, not employee of the year. So started a business and I chased that whole American dream, you know, the money, the awards, the success, my God, I had it all, except I never actually spent time on the thing that truly mattered, which was me. Mm. So I found myself very empty and I wanted to retire young. I wanted that ever since I was basically my early twenties. And I did, I retired at 37 and you know something, that's not the notable part of my story. Not even Mm. a little because I didn't do it as rich or as successful or whatever, as I wanted to do. I retired because I was just burnt out and I was tired Mm. and I was so unhappy and I got really mad about being that unhappy. So I started looking at what I had done, which was for years, build the wealth, the success, the awards, the, this, the, that. And what I didn't do, which was I did not invest in myself. I did not have a good relationship with myself. And I did yoga here and there. I did retreats here and there. I read books all the time, but nothing really stuck. That was a problem. So there I was sitting in my retirement, feeling not even remotely proud of myself. And I was really, really enraged that I wasn't happy. I was like, wait a minute, I just retired and I just did the thing that nobody gets to do. And I'm sitting here feeling bad for myself. Are you freaking kidding me? This sucks. So I got 
really bad and I use the rage. So this is where I think rage is a wonderful thing for people. Don't go smashing in car windows, but use rage as a tool to help you do something. For me, it was solve a problem. The problem was, why the hell am I not happy? Why are other people happy, but not me? So if you've seen my TED talk, you'll notice the beginning question is, what do the happiest people have in common? I wanted to know what the hell it was because I clearly didn't have it. Sure. So I started studying human behavior and revealing the patterns that have always been there and seeing, wow, that's interesting. Unhappy people, that would be me, do all the same six things. How interesting. And happy people, who I would like to be, they do the opposite six things. How fascinating. And then the next question was, how could I do those six things that are good? Because I keep doing the bad stuff. And thus, this whole idea of the six habits was born for me to see if I could be a happy human. Turns out it worked like gangbusters. I turned into one hell of a happy human, started following my dreams, feeling courageous, fulfilled, joyful. I actually became fun to be around. Unbelievable. Because prior to that point, I was not. Um, I'm sure my ex-husband always has some choice words to say about me. But um, there, there are so many things that happened during that period as a result of adopting the six things. They are six mental habits. And I changed my way of thinking because I changed my way of thinking habitually. I don't have to try to be happy anymore. I just am. Life can throw me a wrench to the face and I can still be happy. (laughs) That's very cool. So then the obvious question is, what are the six habits we're doing and not doing? So the words are the same and you you will definitely appreciate how simple they appear, but you've been reading the book. You know how simple they're not. (laughs) So the first habit is kindness. We need to be kind to ourselves, but are we? No, we're unkind. We bully ourselves. We talk ourselves down. We say mean things to ourselves. Oh, you're fat. Oh, you can't do that. We say all this terrible stuff. We have this small asshole inside of our heads That's this critical little jerk that's constantly picking on us. We are picking on ourselves. Why? But those who are the happiest are their own cheerleaders. They're the people who say to themselves, you look great today. I can do this. Of course I can. I can do anything. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Whatever. I'll learn. They approach life from a place of kindness. Mm -hmm. The second habit is the habit of acceptance. Acceptance is unconditional love for ourselves. I can tell you right now, like few, few people unconditionally love themselves. And that is unacceptance. And that is where most people live. Sometimes we accept parts of ourselves. Sometimes we accept ourselves occasionally, but to truly radically unconditionally love yourself is the habit of the happiest people. And that Mm. takes a while to cultivate, especially if you've been 40, 50, 60 years, not unconditionally loving yourself. Have fun undoing that. It's a process. The third habit is gratitude. Now I love when people talk about gratitude because it's the best damn subject in the world, but most people look at gratitude in a far too simplistic way. Gratitude is a lifestyle. Gratitude is something that we do as a practice 
It is a lens through which we view our life. It is a perspective that we view our problems through. And it's a general attitude. So most of us take our lives for granted. We take our blessings for granted. When things go on fire or like the coronavirus explodes, we start complaining. Complaining is the opposite of gratitude. Gratitude is finding appreciation and beauty in the mud. Mm. There's a lot of mud. So the fourth habit is presence, which is being with what is good or bad being present. Like my parents just came down to visit me in Florida. I, they're from Massachusetts. So am I, um, but they drove down. They just got here. My job put my damn phone away, be present with them. Yeah. Be present with the moments. Also when life hand us, hands us a, a tragedy, be present with that too. The grieving will be painful, but it will be more concise. Um, you can experience your life more fully put your damn phone down. My God. Habit number five is the habit of goodness. Goodness is, I like to think of it as just simple math. We need to add good things to our life, which we're terrible at because we've been guilted out of it. And we need to subtract bad things from our lives. However, we don't do that. We're like, oh boy, I want more news. Oh boy. I want more social media. And we are consumers. Being a consumer is bad for your well-being. There, I said it. It's just bad for you. And most of us are unkind. We don't accept. We're taking our lives for granted. We are checked out and distracted. And we're inviting lots of toxic garbage into our heads. But the happiest people are really good at boundaries mm. with everything and everyone. And it doesn't mean boundaries make you a jerk because there's delicate and loving ways to execute boundaries. But the hardest ones is boundaries with yourself. I've had enough candy crush for the day, right? I don't need two pints of ice cream for dinner. Maybe just one. You need to have boundaries with yourself. And finally, the last habit is intention. So intention is the habit of being remarkably clear about what you want and going after it incrementally large or small every day, even when you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it. You know what happens with unhappy people? And this would be most folks. We are the passengers in our own lives. We let other people drive. We are tumbleweed just drifting down the road because our boss wants us to do that. And our income is on the 5% per year trajectory and blah, blah, blah. We are not in the driver's seat of our own lives. Sometimes we get really depressed because again, things like pandemics pop up and we don't feel like we are in control, but sometimes the only thing we need is to just be happy and feel good for the day. And perhaps your intention is to get dressed and go outside. And that's a win too. Intention is I will, and I am. And I do. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we exist in the dark side of all these habits. Just imagine this person. I mean, you, you probably heard it from my speech. I'll just say it again, but just picture two people. One person is chronically overweight. They're depressed. They don't like themselves. They talk themselves out of all their dreams. They don't go after anything. They're kind of surly and just negative. Woe is me. We all know this person. And at times we have all been this person. 
By contrast, there is the person who is sunny and radiant, fun to be around, feels good about themselves, has a bounce in their step, their, their spine is straight, they feel amazing, right? And their life tends to go the way they want. Their dreams actually come true. The only difference between these two people is their mental habits. And we get to decide which person we're gonna be because each one of them exists inside of us as a possibility of who we could be. So those are the six habits, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you. I think, um, you know, when we realize that, what gives us that agency to set those boundaries, to stick to them, and what I'm hearing, what I'm read, read in the book, is it's really about creating good habits to kind of keep repeating until you get it ingrained. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot packed into what you just said, but like, just in terms of habit acquisition, you ever try to start flossing? Oh yeah. Are you a daily flosser? Sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> nope. But if you ever try to acquire any habit and could be flossing, I just like to pick on that one because it took me years to get in the habit of doing it. Um, it requires conscious repetition. Mm -hmm. That's all. It's, it's not rocket science. The beautiful part about habit acquisition is it's very, very easy. The horribly uncomfortable part about these habits is that our old habits will be fighting for dear life and are not going without a fight. So you will be in a psychological war with yourself when you go to truly master these habits. You have to face yourself. You have to flush out your old demons. You have to deal with why you do the crap you do, why you think about yourself so poorly and where it came from. You could have been conditioned to be that way. So you asked me a question about agency and I appreciate that. When we regard ourselves properly as sovereign beings, it never occurs to us that we don't have agency. We've always had it. Freedom mm. is something we are born with. We only surrender it to other people because they convince us that that's the way the world works. Good okay. Point. We have liberty. We've always had liberty. And those who freely surrender it lose their liberty. But then you see folks who are willing to fight or it's never even occurred to them that they lost it. So agency is something you're born with. And it's something where I think that we need to invite ourselves to recognize our sovereignty, mm. which is hard to do because our society tries very hard to convince us that we don't have sovereignty, that we have bosses we must listen to. We have clients we must listen to, and we have governments that we must obey and parents and teachers we must obey. And it's, it, sh it appears as though this uh, large psychological structure of hierarchy that dismisses our own sovereignty and equality and are part of the collective consciousness of humanity. But when we can actually get out of that mind trap, we tend to be better off. Well, I really recognize that, that, you know, when we make that decision and we make that choice. And I think what I'm really getting at here is that so many of us read 
you know, self-help books. We believe in bumper sticker, you know, truth, all of those things, <laughs> but we never take that extra step to go, okay, I'm going to commit to making change in my life. I'm going to commit uh, to setting an intention and creating those necessary boundaries by recognizing the negative habits that I'm doing and changing to do something else. And it's that transition that I'm really interested in. How do we make that transition when, you know, we have been having all of this stuff ingrained in us? How do we get out of that? The first step for every human <laughs> is self-awareness. You mm -hmm. have to be aware of yourself. So within the context of the six habits, as a reader of the book, you're reading the book, you're seeing all the stories about my life and other people's lives and all of these interesting parables that I'm sharing with you. And through that experience, you see yourself and you begin to see yourself reflected in, oh, I do that. Ooh, mm -hmm. I do that. Oh, yikes. I do that too. So the self-awareness is the thing that creates the inspiration. If you become sufficiently self-aware and you went to the download area where you get all the free goodies that go with the book free loads of them. If you do the exercises that go with it, where you really get to dive into yourself, you are invited to really look hard in the mirror. And that look alone is often like more than enough. And the only thing that's going to work to actually provide us with the inspiration to do the work. You are never going to do the work. If I tell you, hi, my name is Laura DiBenedetto. I'm a TEDx speaker. I wrote a great book. Go read it. Change your life. <laughs> Nobody is going to be like, okay, mm -hmm. no, they're not going to do that. But if they listen to an interesting conversation, such as this one, hmm, that makes sense. Maybe I'll go learn more. Maybe I could maybe make my life 10% better. Sure. I'll read the book. Why not? If you read the book and you get the inspiration, and this could be any book, by the way, mm -hmm. you get, you see the self-awareness. Um, and then you are sufficiently inspired by what you've seen within yourself, then you will make change. If you are not inspired to take action based on what you've seen within yourself, you won't. I mean, you have to agree that it's a problem. Yeah. And you have to and see that problem over and over and over again, no matter how painful that is, because it's about self-recognition. Oh, I'm doing it again. Okay. Switch. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 You know, the thing is, there are so many things that we do that, um, you know, are not a problem for us, mm -hmm. you know? So, so let's say, um, someone's 10 pounds overweight and someone could be Laura DiBenedetto could be maybe, maybe. Um, so we've got, what we have is the outcome of a problem. What we don't have is a problem. 10 pounds overweight is not a problem, but what you're seeing there is the result of something. Mm -hmm. So I am self-aware and I can look within and be like, Hmm, turns out pandemics are depressing AF. Um, Hmm. There is a problem there. Can I solve that problem? Yes, I can. Mm -hmm. I can go inward more. Turns out I don't have my boundaries as strong as I need them to be for a pandemic. So I need to make my boundaries even stronger than the normal times. So if I take care of myself better, I won't feel the need to eat my feelings. And then I don't even need to try to lose weight. 
because I won't be dealing with this thing that caused me to gain it in the first place. It will go away because I've solved the Genesis problem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings me to um, the happiness cycle. Let's talk about what that process looks like. Okay. Um, I do not have it in front of me. (laughs) Neither do I. We're just going to have to wing it. So let's talk about it and (laughs) talk about the process. (laughs) Oh my God. I haven't looked at that cycle in quite a while. (laughs) Um, But basically the happiness cycle is, you know, like I understand obviously the gist of it. I wrote it. The happiness cycle is the more you do for yourself, the more it continues to self-serve you. Mm. You know, the more you invest in yourself, the better you feel, the better you feel, the more you want to invest in yourself. So it's like this, yeah, it's a beautiful upward spiral instead of a downward spiral. And you know, there's six of those in the book. Mm -hmm. I just grabbed that one just to way to bring it up. Thanks. (laughs) I was like, crap, where's a copy of my book? (laughs) Never happens to me. No, no. I, anyway. Yeah. But you know, it's the thing is that, um, I think you can also become, I love that you said upward spiral, because I think you can become addicted to that upward spiral because it feels good. It's fulfilling. And then you repeat it. And I think that's really true with any of the six steps that, you know, you really, once you recognize, oh, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. Okay. What am I going to do to change that? And how am I going to move forward in this process. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you start to feel better. And then in the way I teach is then you celebrate, holy shit, I recognized that I was doing something I don't need to be doing. And I made a change. That in itself can bring you joy. Simply recognizing, oh, wow. Um, there's so many things that we can do if we would just be just a little more self-aware once in a while. So, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what self-awareness will actually do. Um, mm. I grew exponentially as a person as a result of simply just self-awareness because of all the resulting inspiration. My husband's done the same. Like neither of us is the same person we were when we met. Thank God. Um, he's grown so much. I've grown so much. I'm like, you know what? I like doing this whole life thing with you. It's pretty great. You grow all the time. He's like, yeah, you too, kid. You too. <laughs> but you know, the, the cycle of any sort of mental habit stuff, mm-hmm. it is so interconnected. So taking a look at all of the six habits, if you were to draw them all in like a circle, every single one would have a line pointing to every other single one. Mm. So pick a habit. Gratitude supports you in all of the other five. Intention supports you in all of the other five. You know, every single habit supports the others. And the more you do of them, the more of a compound effect it has. Mm -hmm. I suppose it's like sit-ups, not that I'd know because I don't do them, but (laughs) let's say I did, it would have a cumulative effect. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. I take my vitamins. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really more about um, making this a part of your life, that it really becomes a way of being. Correct. rather than a way of doing. 
Absolutely. Listen, this, I have the worst business model in the entire planet and I'm good with it. This world needs to be a better place today, but preferably, you know, at some point in my lifetime. Um, and honestly, like we need, we need to take action initially, the more we take the action consciously and repetitiously after a while, it becomes unconscious mm-hmm. and we keep, you keep thinking those things, but not in an intentional way. The whole, like, this is ironic, right? My business model is I want you to read the book. I want you to do the work. I want you to acquire the habits, do the 90 day habit mastery program, acquire the damn habits and never buy from me again, please. <laughs> Literally. Like I'm not, I don't have any other stuff to sell. It's not the point. Literally make your life better. Once you acquire these habits, you will not want to let them go mm-hmm. and they will continue to make you feel good. Even day one of the habit mastery program, you feel like a million bucks because you're living at the peak expression of these habits from day one. And it's like, mm-hmm. damn, this feels really good. Mm-hmm. Imagine if your life felt like this every day and it can, you know, so more please planned obsolescence is kind of the point here. <laughs> There's, I mean, listen, light bulb manufacturers planned plan to obsolete their light bulbs because they want to sell you another light bulb. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I just want you to be happy because I've read so many self-help books that frustrated me to no end because they're like, okay, now the book is over. Yay. Are you all better? No, I'm the same turd I was before. I'm not yeah. any better. Right. If you finish and- the book, like most people don't, they read the first little bit and they're like, oh, this is hard. And there's no fulfillment built into it. Yeah. If there isn't a place for them to find happiness or joy or something that uplifts them, they are not going to continue doing it. No. And frankly, I don't think people should read books that they don't like. So um, I am one of those people who try really hard to get past a few terrible chapters only to discover the rest of the book is also terrible. And it's like, damn it, I want my life back. But um, yeah, planned obsolescence. I mean, a good product in my humble opinion is one that works right the first time. Mm. And that is something that I needed to build for me. The whole 90 day habit mastery program. I didn't build it for the general public. I actually built that before I wrote the book. The 90 day habit mastery program is the tool I used to become a badass human that I love. When I look in the mirror, I'm proud like me and I go after stuff and I'm a happy human. I'm resilient. Mm -hmm. I go through stuff. I'm fine. You know, I wasn't this person before I am my current best self a year from now, my best will probably be a different version of today. Right. But I I built this whole program because I wanted to get better. I'm stubborn. I don't keep promises to myself. I have ADHD. I have shiny object syndrome. I get distracted. I get discouraged. I want to quit. This is hard. I don't like it. (laughs) Right. I go through all of that. And I wanted to build the thing that was me proof. So I did, I built the thing that had joy built in. So day one, I got the rewards day two. I got the rewards. I was like, Ooh, this, this is, this shit's amazing. Okay. So I kept wanting to do it. And then I actually changed. Like that's the craziest thing. Never in my life. I, I get a lot of hosts that ask me this question. They're like, well, what's the most difficult habit that you had to overcome? Like, honestly, acceptance. Mm-hmm. I didn't accept myself. 
at all. I had a lifetime of being told by society, my parents and this and that, that children are better seen and not heard, that women are supposed to be decorative and magazine covers are telling me I need to be beautiful and I didn't feel particularly beautiful. I was just like, what the hell? I have no value. Wrong. So I had to undo societal conditioning, social conditioning, and my own bullshit conditioning so I could actually learn to accept myself. And I did. And because it was the hardest, it offered me the most reward. So now I look in the mirror and I'm like, yes, bitch, how you doing? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think um, that's, I love your story because I, I think that's what people really need to hear is that, yes, this shit's going to be hard. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to dig in. But mm -hmm. there are little bits that are going to make you want to keep doing it. It's yes. not like you're going to read this whole big psychological tome and go, I didn't even process half of that. Okay. I, I'm just going to go read something else. Yeah. So, like I've yeah. tried, I've tried so many times to slog through a course in miracles. It's great when I can read it five words at a time. It's like, I am not a stupid woman, but this is heavy as hell. Mm -hmm. I didn't want my book to be written that way. You know, you've been reading it. It's not yeah. heavy. It's not designed to be. And, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, marketers, and I say this as a marketer, cause I own a marketing company to, would a like marketer. You to believe that, yeah, that, that, you know, we, uh, you know, we can acquire habits in 21 or 30 days. And that's just a lie. Mm -hmm. Habits are created in a minimum of 66 days and that's science. And I'm not going to get into the de debates and merits of science, but basically I believe in science, especially when it comes to researchers who devote their life to answering why and how, you know? So I wanted to know how to do it right the first time. Right. And I think that, you know, anything that promises to be easy or cheap is a scam. You should run. If it actually tells you right on the box, this will not be easy. This will not be the cheapest thing you ever do, but it will actually work the first time you can trust it. Mm. And that's what I built. And that's how I run my companies, both of them, you know, like, yeah, you're gonna have to face yourself. You might cry. You might have to apologize to someone because you realize, oh, ooh, I've done ugly things. <laughs> uh-huh. And in the process of forgiving yourself, you might need to make amends with someone else. You, you know, you might like, you might hate when you see what you see, when you look in the mirror and see the wreckage of what you've built your life to be, you might hate it so much that you want to do something about it. And that hatred, that rage, it's useful because it can inspire you to keep going, mm. you know, better is possible, but only if you work for it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely true. <sighs> Well, I think you guys are going to really like this, the book and the resources. So, uh, Laura, why don't you tell people where they can find all the goodies? Sure. So you can find the book on Amazon, on Audible. If you enjoy the sound of my voice, you'll really like the audiobook because it's six hours of that. <laughs> and uh, I will lovingly tell you about each of the habits. Um, but you can also go to thesixhabits.com. It's the S-I-X habits.com. You can get an autographed copy of the book, which I'd be delighted to send uh, to you. Uh, you can uh, check out the 90 day habit mastery program there. You can watch my Ted talk. You can also shoot me a note and say, Hey, I heard you on the show and uh, tell me what you're thinking, what you're going through. I love hearing from people. Great. Well, thank you. And, and I will be posting all of that in the blog post at janetfouts.com 
and this will be on the podcast in all the kinds of places that it needs to be in. So I just really want to thank you, Laura. I, I enjoyed the book and I loved our conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Mindful Social. It's been so great to see the subscriptions growing and the feedback has really helped me make the show even better. So if you know somebody who needs to be on the show, email me at Janet at JanetFouts.com and please send me feedback there too or post a review on the podcast platform you're listening on. Oh, and do me a favor, share this show on social media or with a friend. Thank you.